got nine minutes to maximize your travel and casino experience? Welcome to Zorkcast, powered by Travel Zork, helping you travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures. From airline miles and hotel points to living in the lap of luxury in a Las Vegas casino, you'll find all the knowledge you need to travel in style. Brought to you in nine minutes or less. Now, please welcome the host of Zorkcast, Michael Mason Traeger. Hello, this is Michael, and welcome back to ZorkCast. Today, Eric Rosenthal is back, joining us again on ZorkCast. And in January, we left off on the last ZorkCast, where Eric and I spoke, about what we would potentially do on a future episode. And that episode has come, and that is talking about the one biggest mistake that gamblers make. So... Eric, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm well, Michael. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's, you know, I have an event tonight. I'm ready to drink a lot of champagne and eat a lot of hot dogs. So it's a good thing. You know, two of my favorite things are champagne and hot dogs. (laughs) There's a joke in there somewhere that I'm not going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. They're usually, I I usually lead myself down the hallway of uh, self deprecation. (laughs) Did you really? Mention a hallway after the hot dog. That's uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Hey, remember, we're only supposed to do this in. It, we're supposed to do this in nine minutes. I'm thinking of renaming the show. Got eighteen minutes, but you know, I'm, I'm almost there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you wanted to talk about the biggest mistakes the gamblers make, right? Yeah, and I think it's a it's an interesting. I was curious about your opinion. I mean, I have some of my own opinions, but I think you know, a lot of times I think there are some fundamental problems with how people approach gambling and also gambling loyalty. And maybe I'm putting you a little bit on the spot by making you choose the one biggest mistake. But then again, we don't have that much time. So I figured at least maybe it wouldn't be everyone's biggest mistake, but it would be at least an important example of a mistake that gamblers make. And maybe that's a better way to say it. Well, I think it's important to talk a little bit both about the act of gambling and the mistake that they make, as well as you know, this is Zorkcast. We should probably cover a little bit on comp chasing and tier chasing and the big mistake there. So I'll I'll try to keep it brief so we can keep it to nine minutes. You're right with doing one of each? I think that sounds good. And I think that's extremely relevant because they definitely do work together. These are two subjects, you know, the, unless you gamble on such a low level, so infrequently, you know, the act of gambling, especially for a lot of our audience, directly relates to their entire comp situation or comp hustling situation. So yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. Okay. So for the act of actual gambling, the biggest mistake that I see over and over and over again, people don't set limits. So whether it be a win goal or it be a stop loss over and over again, you'll see gamblers that are maybe they've been very lucky and they have had a large win, but, you know, they're there for entertainment. They're there for recreation and inevitably they give all of the money back. There's this fallacy that it's house money and when those chips are pushed to you or you hit that cash out button, that's your money. And it works the other way as well, where people go down with maybe $500 and the $500 goes very, very quickly. And rather than just 
stopping because they lost, you know, what they had budgeted for that trip. They might hit the Mac machine. They might take a marker. They might borrow from friends. And the person who went down expecting to only lose 500 might find themselves down 2,500, 3,000, or, you know, wherever it would be. So managing both the win and the loss stop points, that's the biggest mistake that I've seen. And, you know, this is an interesting subject, which I've spoken to with people before, and I've probably, we've probably talked about it once or twice. I always think that loss limits are very, very important. And I also have this term I use all the time is live to gamble another day. And to me, one of the, you know, to me, my expectation is if I hit a loss limit and maybe I go a little bit beyond that loss limit, I've just got to accept it at that point. I just have to accept you know, the stars are not aligning, you know, things are not going right. And I often have said to people, you know, losing is part of the psychology of gambling. You need to learn to lose. I know that sounds strange, but you, because if you can't, if it bothers you that much, or if you're always going to chase it, it's probably a wrong hobby for you. But in parallel to that, you know, that whole concept of learning to lose, the other thing that I find more depressing, what doesn't bother me, and I know maybe a lot of people don't agree with me on this. You probably do, though. I could chalk up hitting a loss limit. I could chalk up dealing with whatever my loss limit is and not being so happy about it. But I go and I get some late night Chinese food. I have a bourbon. I have a cigar. I wake up the next day. You know, it's fine. But what bothers me more than anything, and thankfully, this is something that I, I pretty much so avoid doing, is when people are up. When they're actually up and they're winning and they wind up not ending their gambling visit up, they actually don't even end their gambling visit even. They actually end up losing. And it's, it's, and I've heard guys say this before, like, oh my God, it, everything sucks. This dice suck. This session sucks. I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all horrible. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was up eight grand and now I'm down three grand. And I'm like, what? You were up eight grand? And now, right now, you're, you're actually negative three. So you're telling me you started off with whatever this bankroll was and you're up it. You were, you actually were up eight grand and you actually had so little discipline that not only could you just not just bring it to zero, you had to bring it to negative. And I'm like, no, the casino doesn't suck. The sessions don't suck. The dice don't suck. You suck. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> you know, and I, I really feel that. And it gets me furious when I hear that. And I'm sure you've heard that situation before. Sure. Over and over again. To your earlier point about how you can kind of chalk up, you know, hitting a stop loss and moving on. Anybody who can't do that, I would suggest either your stop loss is too high or, you know, this may not be the right hobby for you. It's important that that stop loss limit is a number that you can lick your wounds and just move on. If it's going to hurt you that bad, you shouldn't be gambling with it. No, you're, you're right. And the other, the other thing about it, as part of the hustle for, for comp hustling, you know, like the Max Rubin method, if you're going to try to get a hundred dollar rating, but not really be a hundred dollar player, let's say you can't have $500 in front of you. You have to have a couple of thousand dollars in front of you. So that's when the stop losses become even more important because if you're trying to hustle for like, and I'm just making up the numbers, you're trying to hustle for $125 rating, but your actual rating is only like 40, 50, $60, but you're pushing out some big bets when you have to, you have to buy in looking like a $125 player. Well, you can't buy in looking like 
like a hundred and twenty-five dollar player and buy in for four hundred dollars. It's illogical. You're never. It just doesn't. The story doesn't make sense. You've got to buy in for five grand. But if you can't afford, you know, if losing that five grand would devastate you, you still need to keep. And but but your stop loss, your your loss for the for the visit is or for the session or however you want to do it, depending on how long the trip is. If your loss is twelve hundred and fifty dollars, you could still buy in for five thousand. And cut it off at twelve fifty, but there's some people who can't do that. So that's also, if you really want to be good at your comp game, you've got to get good at this. You got to figure out, otherwise, you're just never. It's just never going to work, and you're actually going to always wind up probably not getting the table ratings, and wonder why some other people manage to hustle it better. Sure, and I mean that's part of it, right? You need the self control to have the chips in front of you and just know it's not actually your bankroll. But what I guess I've seen very frequently is if gambling is going poorly, you know, you'll see that all in moment where, you know, they just push chips to try to catch up that. I mean, you know, the worst thing that could happen is the first time you do it, you hit the Hail Mary and then you think like, you know, you've gotten out. Unfortunately, more often than not, right, if if this is a recreational gambler there's a negative expected value to that bet. And more often than not, you'll lose that bet as well. So you can compound your problem if you don't have the discipline with, you know, more chips in front of you than there should be. Yeah. And I, and I've seen that before. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing worse than a guy whose absolute maximum loss limit is a thousand dollars and he's down a thousand and he starts pushing out $500 bets to try to catch up because that thousand dollar loss could become a $2,500 loss really quickly. And now whatever depression you were feeling or fear over having lost a thousand, boy, you're going to feel really bad when you've lost 2,500. And I, I I try to warn, you know, it's almost like, you know, people need to play out these scenarios in their head. I mean, and there's a lot of things in gambling. You think, I mean, I think about a lot of these things usually when I walk the dog, but you know, like, what are you going, I, I think about it on the positive side also, like one of my favorite things to say is what would I do if I ran into a Baccarat streak that was 26 in a row? What would I do if it kept going? How would I chip up my bets? Because I love these Baccarat streaks and I love thinking about that. Okay, Michael, because you can't, you can't be, you don't want to be too aggressive. You don't want to be doubling up because you want to be pulling back some money, but you don't want to be so fearful that you're not taking advantage of the run. So I love like stuff I love to think about. But anyway, back on topic. So the other gambler mistake that's more loyalty related, what were you thinking there? I think they overvalue what you get at higher tiers i think there is this mysticism around higher tier cards and the treatment that you get very frequently i will see gamblers extend themselves to get to the next level only to realize that what they get at that next level was not worth what it cost them to get there so i don't think people should be short-sighted if a little bit more gets you more value than that marginal amount needed to gamble, then sure, that makes sense to do it. But people set out with goals to aspire to these higher tiers that wind up costing them way more in the long run than if they just paid for what they wanted. Yeah. And, and there were examples like, look, like, look at M-Life. 
the difference between gold and platinum. Like really, like, and I'm not looking at them side by side right now, but the no, difference not much, is they're, so, they're so minor and, and you don't even have like, and this is one of my biggest complaints about, you know, and I've talked about this a lot with regard to loyalty. I mean, come on, M Life. So you go from gold to platinum, which is a pretty big jump. You go from gold to platinum and you're not even going to give a tier based resort fees being waived at platinum. Really, really, you're not going to do that. And it was funny. I was complaining to a host at Borgata because, you know, my, my goal is to, is to get the status I don't really deserve without playing that much. I mean, because, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, and I was saying to her, I, I mean, I did this. I mean, it was almost laughable. The routine was laughable. It didn't work. Okay. So don't, but I said, you know, I really just, I want, I want the platinum card. You know, I've got another casino, which is top tier. Here's the card. It's, you know, you should give me the platinum. You shouldn't be matching me to gold. And, you know, and I basically did the the mind game. And I said, well, look, how many visits a year do I make to Borgata? And then she goes, well, you usually come about two times a year. I said, yeah. So imagine if I came every single week, I'd make it no problem. Hey, I'd be noir. So, so I mean, you should interpolate that. And actually, that is something some casinos will take into account. If you go less often and play stronger, I have actually used the argument that if you interpolated my play over the course of com- more visits that I would be a certain status and I've and I've convinced one place that that actually makes sense which makes me proud <laughs> but <laughs> but she didn't buy it she and she said well you know at Borgata we always wanted a level between black and titanium and now we finally have it and I was like okay it still doesn't solve my problem. I want the platinum card, <laughs> but I didn't get it, but, but I tried but really hard. But that's ego, right? Like that isn't, it isn't that the platinum status gained you anything of real value. It's the ego stroking that occurs pulling out a platinum card as opposed to a gold card, or is it just the game within the game and you just wanted to win? I just wanted to have fun with it. And I, and I just, I just wanted to win, but actually this is really interesting. And I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this. And this is the kind of topic that I would usually like probably, you know, ping you about mm-hmm. when I was talking to one of my contacts at Borgata, it's very interesting. So you know that they they give noir to bloggers and travel influencers. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, to, and they're now giving it to Hyatt people. Every yep. single one of those categories is coded. So they absolutely know when somebody swipes a noir card, it comes up with a code that tells them immediately it's not a gambler and tells them what category. And off the top of my head, there are four different categories. So there are friends of like executives and people at MGM. There are people that are Hyatt people and maybe influencer people. But what's so funny about it was just like we were talking about there, it's ego and all this. Like even then Mm -hmm. when they match you and they give you the status there, basically the pit bosses and everybody knows they're like, Oh, he's not a real noir. You know, he's a friend. I mean, so you still get, I mean, Hey, you still get treated and not everybody. And it was only because the person that I knew who the contact that I knew said, you know, she was, she was looking at something on the system and she was so confused at what the system was showing, you know, like, what is the, what do these codes mean? Why is this here? You know, what does that mean? But it's, it's very funny. I mean, we joke about the few MGM employees I joke about they are so into like their PowerPoint presentations and they've got like an MGM person who puts together all these PowerPoint presentations. They do. It's almost, it's almost funny. Like we joke about their, you know, when they talk about their corporate results and everything and their profit plan 2020 or whatever, it's really, it's really inside their culture. 
Wow. Well, I did not know that. That's good information. Yeah, I think it's cool. And I think it's it's more the reason why, you know, it's it's it, it's interesting. I mean, I think you and I are probably pretty aligned with the fact that many times the tier level below top tier makes the most sense for people. So I think you really, I mean, I think you really have to have to think about it. I mean, the funniest one is Spirit Airlines. And I didn't even know this until Coach Kitty, you know, wrote this great article for Travel Zork on, on Spirit. They actually have two elite tiers and they're exactly the same. There's no benefit to the higher tier. It's absolutely true. It's hysterical. Well, I don't know if it, I mean, it, it is funny, but I don't know if it matters, right? Because everything that they're going to give you is based off of their base price, which is basically nothing. Right. So whatever miles you have or you earn with them, they're going to use that to take care of the $49 base fee. But the $250 in add ons, you know, those are kind of, you know, still going to be charged. So I don't know where they differentiate. Yeah, it's a funny thing. That's probably another that's another Zorcast. Well, we're definitely way over. I'm telling you, I'm going to have to rename this Scott in 18 minutes soon. So are there <laughs> any other are there any other party words, Eric? And also remind us the best way to get in contact with you. Best way to reach me is on Twitter at erosenthal1029. Email is ericr at travelzork.com. That's E-R-I-C-R at travelzork.com. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to having you on the show again. Wonderful. Always a pleasure, Michael. Thank you. Until next time. You've reached the end of your stay with us on this episode, but we encourage you to visit our website for more resources at TravelZork.com and to continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at TravelZork and Facebook.com slash TravelZork. Travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures right here on ZorkCast. Until next time, good luck.